1: For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for fifty percent off. Visit RosettaStone.com/slash/StarTalk. That's fifty percent off unlimited access to twenty-five language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your fifty percent off at RosettaStone.com/slash/StarTalk today. <laughs>
2: Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk. Neil deGrasse Tyson here, your personal astrophysicist. And today we have a very special guest. Not just a special guest, a very special guest. <laughs> Returning to Star Talk, we have William Shatner the one and only. a beloved uh, actor portrayed Captain Kirk on the Starship Enterprise in the original Star Trek series and movies that followed it uh, some years later. And we're, he's of special interest right now because he was on board the suborbital flight of Blue Origin's New Shepard space capsule. This is a 10-minute journey where you go across the... Carmen line. That's the line where you enter space. And he was the oldest person to ever do this at age 90. Let's get straight into this. So, William Shatner, can I call you Bill? Does that work?
3: Yes, if I can call you Neil. Yeah, please,
2: please. By all means. So, you you start out life as wanting to be an actor.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, I must have emerged from my mother's womb not knowing what to do, but by the, <laughs> okay. by the time I was sick. given time given, and food uh, and nourishment, given uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, after suckling a bit, I thought, oh, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I should be like. I was about six years of age when I, when I and I was in a camp play, and as the legend goes, and I made people laugh and cry, and I thought, wow, that's wonderful, and uh, I've never done anything else.
2: So, I I was channel surfing one night, and I stumbled on you in a bit role in the movie Judgment at Nuremberg. You were like a court
3: clerk. uh, Or a court jester, according to some people, right? (laughs) court Uh, jester. (laughs) No, but it's true. I sat there the whole movie at that legal table, watching these incredible uh, luminaries from the screen pass by and do a day's work, and then... Leave and come back. It was it was an extraordinary uh, experience for a young actor. And, and there I am binging
2: because on on classic and all the old episodes of the Twilight Zone. And you're t- two episodes. You're, you're, you've got a yeah. double
3: credit in yeah. two and, and, separate and distinct episodes. Yeah, and they and they are among the most popular. Strangely, the reason for that I don't know. Uh, perhaps uh, your sagacity, you would be able to analyze why those two shows have remained in the top 13 uh, uh, every time they play yeah. uh, a group of them. I, I don't understand the popularity, but it must have something to do with touching uh, some core of humanity. Of
2: something well, you, you play you play a slightly crazy person in each one. Just only slightly. Just enough where you can the viewer can relate
3: to your anxieties. Uh, uh, being anxious about something like in, in one case, uh, uh, flying. We're always anxious about flying. And, uh, and the other one was about getting your fortune told. And you, we're always worried about what the future holds and what, why did I say that uh, for something in the past? So we're always concerned about those two subjects. Yeah, so for that reason, I think as you correctly deduced, it reached
2: into us as viewers in a way that while you were a slightly extreme version of it, we felt enough of ourselves in your character to relate to it more deeply than I think other characters portrayed or, or written for. So I just want to make sure that your your acting chops are out there up front because to to take this ramp into Space, initially, of course, with Star Trek, ultimately doing it for real. Did you have any space influences when you were a kid? You were already fully grown up during the Apollo era, so we can't credit that.
3: Space wasn't mentioned. Uh, you know, all those years ago, there was the sun, there was the moon, <laughs> and people were uh, running around trying to figure out how they hung in the sky— I was after, you know, I was after Galileo. <laughs> oh, you did okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 you and Galileo weren't tight. You were tight. No, with we Galileo. weren't quite like that. We were like that actually. <laughs> but, but no, I, there wasn't anything about, but nothing about space and nothing. I was always interested in football and 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 um, and I was acting in Montreal doing um, amateur um, uh, theatricals, and and I somehow, I don't know what it was. I think there's something in my genetic makeup that allowed me to be in, an intuitive actor. I've never studied, I don't know how you studied to be an actor, but there are styles, and I just fell into those styles, I may have seen them in movies, maybe I was imitating them, but there is a, 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 a regality to Shakespeare. There is a there is a, a featness to 18th century, uh, 19th century uh, comedy. There are styles that you sort of acquire the way you speak, the way you move your hands, your feet, I never studied it, but it somehow I knew it, and I don't know how. Well, so what's happening then is the the
2: world, you know, we enter the Cold War. There's an arms race, and there's also the birth of a space race. And there's a poignant part of Shatner in Space, which is just now posting on Amazon Prime. Uh, if you have a video subscription there, I think it's it's quote free. The uh, in that program there's a there's a poignant moment where the star trek series which went 3 seasons all right uh, you know just barely longer than gilligan's island <laughs> whatever okay and and so and it ends you're out of a job you you and your wife divorce and there you were putting a vision of space into our hearts and minds and now that's gone yet you witness Neil Armstrong taking first steps on the moon. Could you just tell us about what you were feeling in that moment? the contrast of these two
3: yeah, yeah, well, I got a divorce just as the show was canceled, and uh, I don't know whether you know this or not, Neil, but divorces are very expensive. okay <laughs> So there I was. I had this divorce. I was now broke, and i and and I was coming off a series which in those days meant that uh, the people who hire think, oh, well, he's known for that, and we won't uh, hire him for this because he's known for that. That sort of thinking went on for a while, and I was in that thinking. So it was difficult for me to find a really good uh, acting job. And, uh, And so I decided I would do summer stock, and the summer stock is out on the East Coast, uh, on the uh, uh, Cape Cod. And so I i don't remember whether I bought a truck or whether I had an old truck. And I put a cab on the back of that pickup truck and it had a shower and a bed. And I had a dog. I've always had a dog, a Doberman Pinscher. So uh, there was a book out uh, in those years called Travel with Charlie. Uh, I remember that. Uh, did John Stein so I did. Yes. I, I did Travels with Charlie only... My dog, I I don't remember his name, but a regal, marvelous uh, male Doberman sat beside me. And I drove across country and uh, put together a a, a play and, um, and, and did summer stock. And part of that summer stock goes on to Long Island and the Hamptons. Wait, wait, just to be clear, just to be clear. You were homeless at this point, <laughs> okay? No, no, I had a home that was in the back of a truck. Yeah, <laughs> your home was on like, wheels. Like yeah. If a guy sleeps in his car, is he homeless or has he got a yeah. Chevy? I, I live. I, I have my my address is Chevy <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> on on Interstate you know, Ten, not exit twenty. The truck.
3: I got the Chevy truck. Uh, yeah, for, I think I had a Chevy. So are and you? And homeless? That's back when
2: cars. That, wait, that's back when cars were big enough you could sleep. Full out, flat out on the, right. on, the, on, the right.
3: on the bench seating. Right? Exactly. Right. So the philosophical question is: Are you homeless if you're in something you own and your mm-hmm. car? You're not sleeping on the streets. So I I I had a little uh, tiny house here which I didn't pay for. Um, so I slept in the back of this truck. And you said town. you
2: also you ended up from Cape Cod into the Hamptons. Is that right? I'm
3: so in like Cape called? Cod and I park in a pasture uh, and I'm living there and I, and I go and I drive over to the theater uh, a mile or so away perform at night. And then that night I drive to the pasture and park and sleep in the cab. So it was this evening that I was sitting in a chair in the cab, in the cab or lying down in the chair. And I'm looking through the window at the moon and I've got a little black and white, tv set and i'm tuned in to uh, armstrong on the moon and i had been at the cape the year before and had um, some wonderful exchanges i, I lay down in the in the lem i looked around i uh, i i the the astronauts took me around they gave me a ship uh, of the uh, a model of the enterprise and i signed it i'll see you on the moon and it was i was like I was like a, a junior astronaut, uh, and everyone was oh, thank you very much, and they laughed, and and, uh, and then I left. And a year later, I'm looking at Armstrong, uh, uh, putting his foot on the moon, and we had discovered, or either then or a little bit later, that as our ratings in Star Trek went up, uh, the government voted more money for NASA. Uh, they became more popular. We popularized Star Trek. Popularized. Space travel, and so in some and so I felt in some tiny minuscule way, I had a little something to do with that. Mm -hmm. And there he puts and 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 the world is watching, and I'm lying, bereft, (laughs) money moneyless, homeless, in my Chevy, uh, looking at him go on the moon, and I and the irony of that incredible moment and my destitution struck me even then, and upon retelling, I'm able to make it even more dramatic
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, so so Bill, here's my analysis. I think what happens is once we're going to the moon, we, we don't need you, right? because all of a sudden space exploration is real. it's right. it's no longer pretend. and then right. three years later, only three years nineteen sixty nine boots on the moon, nineteen seventy two no longer boots on the moon, we stop going into space. And I, here's my analysis. I think we all say to ourselves, wait a minute, that's not, wait, wait a minute. This is supposed to keep going. And it didn't. It didn't. Even the film 2001 A Space Odyssey, 1968 that was, imagining 2001. Wait a minute, this all stopped. Well, what do we have left? We got to go back to Star Star Trek. Star Trek was that hope, and 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 so your popularity grew in reruns, bigger yeah. than it ever was during the show.
3: Well, much bigger. Star Trek took off in reruns,
2: in reruns, and it's, into the seven seven years later, after we stopped going to the moon. So you, yeah. you dude, became our only hope at that
3: point. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you were betting the wrong horse. <laughs>
2: You had your money on the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, I think that the fact that we became more distant from space made Star Trek that much more important and relevant to us. That's my. I, how do you? What do you think of that?
3: Analysis? Well, I think it, I, it's beautiful, and I heartily agree with you that uh, I alone uh, brought the, the <laughs> NASA redid re, re, re itself because of me. No um what happened is uh the expense of going to the moon kennedy saying we shall go we're going to go to the moon in in uh, in a decade and american pride made us do it once we had done it it was like oh god we know, we're not going to spend any more money on that we got you know, we got the politicians' pockets to line and all the money is gone. Uh, so they, they, because of the expense, and I don't know what happened, but it was like the air went out of American determination in space. Uh, we lost it for a while. Um, you know, um, I don't know th- whether this is apocryphal or not, but my understanding is Yuri Gagarin And for your audience uh, to remind them, he was the the Russian astronaut who who made the first uh, launch into uh, space, came down like a stone in a parachute. He was up there for a brief moment. And apparently, he said, it's blue. And then parachuted down. Now, we see the sky as blue and we say, oh, that's blue. But, but knowledgeable people know that's refraction of the sun. The air is colorless, but whatever it is, the, the, the water, the moisture in the air gives us the blue color. And, and, and so we think, okay, well, but it's colorless, just blue because of the refraction of the sun. He gets above it and he says, ah, it's blue. And I thought, when I heard that story, I thought, what a glorious moment when the first human being looks down upon our planet and says, it's blue. And what a color. I mean, blue is a beautiful color. It's so engaging. It's so calming. I mean, you paint a, a room blue because you want the, co- the color to, 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 to be restful. Air Force One
2: is, paint, is painted blue, for, in part for that reason. Yeah. It's a very calming color
3: uh, for, yeah. for that. I have gone across this continent many times, uncountable times, in every manner possible. When I was a kid, I thumbed across the United States. I left Montreal, got to San Diego, went to Vancouver, got to Chicago, back to Montreal on my thumb. I've motorcycled across the continent. I have driven a truck, I've driven I have in a sports car. I've been with a family, I've been alone. I mean it's endless, Neil. The continent is endless. The roads go disappear into infinity. And you think I'm gonna. oh my lord, I have to go. And then you get to that infinite point of infinity and it goes even further. It's it's not. It's then by rising above it and looking down. Oh my god. It's minute. The Earth is minute. And only then do you begin to get a a sense of the uh, the relationship of this little rock to the vastness of space.
2: Bill, we got to take our first break. But when we return, more of my conversation with the inimitable, or occasionally imitable, William Shatner.
0: I'm Joel Cherico, and
2: I make pottery. You can see my pottery on my website, CosmicMugs.com.
4: Cosmic Mugs, art that lets you taste the universe every day. And I support Star Talk on Patreon. This is Star Talk with Neil deGrasse Tyson.
2: We're back with William Shatner. So you, I think, are correctly recognizing that Yuri Gagarin sees Earth as a blue planet, okay? By the way, even in Star Trek, images of Earth were not really about it feeling blue. That really took actual journeys into space. And so are you ever Are you ever thinking while you're starship captain that you'll ever actually
3: be high no. up above Earth and Absolutely. see the blue planet? That's fantasy. The whole thing was fantasy. Sometimes we'd laugh about how fantastical we were on stage 3 27 at paramount studios pretending to be we're in space and we move the rocks around now we're on a planet and we shoot this gun and later they put a little uh, light thing in and 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 it's all fantasy it's all beautiful fantasy about human beings somewhere in the future but it's all uh, you know it's these crazy guys who, who are thinking futuristically never thought i'm going to go up there well just to be clear Star Trek wasn't,
2: at least for me, and I think for practically anyone who observed it, was not just space fantasy. There was space movies and space, you know, there was Lost in Space was a TV show, but that didn't somehow get deep within our soul. Uh, Star Trek had messages within it. It yes. had
3: more, there were morality tales. The surroundings were fanciful. But the meanings, the reason it's popular, I think, is just what you're saying, that it dealt with human beings. But I meant the surroundings were fanciful. If you're talking about racism and a guy is half black on the right and half white on the left, and he meets a guy who's half black on the left and half white on the right, he's like, Who are you? And we we're fighting and we're because you're different from me. And so the the stupidity. The, non, the nonsensical stupidity of racism is evident by this by these two guys who are fighting over the fact that one's uh, different from the other uh, slightly becomes, but
2: the value of telling a space tale is you get to present that to people without them being confronted in their right, own exactly. behavior they, they have to tell- sort of internalize it and then realize it for themselves rather than
3: and think put it, well, that, in that their would face. work Exactly. Think of how that would work. The guy's like, "Oh, geez, what's he complaining about?" It's got the black here and the white here and the boy. Some guy who 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 may be prejudiced in any way is saying, laughing at the the stupidity of this guy. Yes, you know, and he doesn't realize he's laughing at the stupidity of racism until later. Is way if he's you know if at some point in time, whoop, yeah, listen, black, white, what's the difference? So that that was the the beauty of star trek
2: yeah yeah and it so it was it meant more than just a, t- a tale told in space and and right. and by the way just if i can um fanboy a little bit here anytime i'm asked okay Kirk or Picard? <laughs> this is, you know, this is like, they, they quiz you that when you enter Comic-Con, right? Kirk or Picard? <laughs> like Kirk all the time. And let me tell you why. Me too. Because- me too. <laughs> you too. <laughs> No, I'll, I'll tell you why. I, I, I'll tell you why. Because uh, your character actually, not that I, I'm a very nonviolent person, so let me start with that, but let me just say, your character would fight the bad guys. If if you see your captain actually getting into a fistfight, oh my gosh, they're invested in this. They care about what is true and righteous on a level where they're putting their own lives at risk. You fought Mm. the Gorn. You did, not some pawn that you sent out to do so. And so I thought that level of bravery for a captain I greatly valued. And my favorite line... My favorite line, and I forgive me, the Star Trek fans for not knowing the exact details. You're on the br- your character is on the bridge. Uh, your shields don't work anymore. The enemy vessel is out front, and you execute some command that's mysterious on a channel that's already been uh, uh, decoded. And and Spock says, oh, Captain, this is no time for a game of chess. And that command was a self-destruct command that would also destroy the enemy ship. Uh, Captain, there's no time for a game of chess. And you said, no, Spock, it's poker.
0: And I said, yes, that's what,
3: (laughs) (laughs) that's my captain. Oh, my gosh. I've totally forgotten that. Totally oh, no. <laughs> and it's a great line. Can you imagine the wonderful writer who wrote that thing? He got line
2: ever, especially oh, because, because Spock, you say, you know, Spock is right here. And then you say, no, you are more right because, you know, you're bluffing and they yeah. don't know it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So so you got, I'm on, I'm on the team, Captain Kirk, the whole way. Uh. So, so now you get tapped by Jeff Bezos and and
3: uh, they well, must no, have known no. uh, 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 about two years before that. Uh, it's about three years now. Uh, J- Jason Ehrlich, a friend of mine who was a producer uh, on another series I did, said, you know, you should go up in the middle now. I'm not going to go up there. They don't want Who cares? And I don't want to jeopardize that. Nah. He says, but it'd be No, no, no. Anyway, the idea suggested, they say, come up to Seattle. We fly up to Seattle. I meet Jeff. Uh, the, the whole lobby of, uh, of Amazon is all Star Trek. We sit down at the table, uh, Shatner up in space. That sounds good. We'll let you know. And we go back. That COVID hits and nothing happens. Then we hear that uh, Jeff Bezos is going to go up in space himself. So we think, well, maybe he'll choose Shatner. No, he chooses his brother and and, and a lady with gray hair and a boy, and they go up. And I said, well, let's see what happens. And, well, maybe they'd let like you go on the second. But No, I don't want to go up second, for God's sakes. That's the vice president. We want the president. <laughs> <laughs> so then they asked me to go up on the second one. Uh, though now I'm not going. So I turn it down. But then I, in my, uh, 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 you might have a, uh, an explanation for it. The wonderful moment between sleep and wake, when you're lying there thinking, you know, and your brain is going and you've got all kinds of wonderful ideas which you forget when you get up. Uh, I'm thinking, you know, going up to space is experience. I should, I should try and experience that. As fearful as it sounds, I'm, so I agree to do it, thinking it's innocuous. I just go up, come come down. Who cares? And I've had that experience. Who knew that it would be as, uh, as newsworthy as it was? I didn't. I thought it would be uh, unknown. Well, well, let me just say that you
2: can't just send up any famous actor and have the same reaction as sending you. There's, there's no question about this. So in, in the Shatner in Space documentary... Um, he, he's got all this footage in anticipation of you going into space and some really fun encounter with you and your wife and daughters where you announce to them that, and they say, dad, are, are you going to die? We don't want to lose a dad on this. And, <laughs> um, and of course, if you died, you'd go out completely in flames.
3: Um, but in space, and what a you know. glorious ending it would be, rather than lose your teeth slowly, one by one, one, by one you lose them. Actually, you are going. Yeah, no, I'm Captain Kirk, you
1: know,
2: <laughs> toothless, Captain Kirk. The toothless um, Captain Kirk. So, so, and of course, no, there's no reason. To have pre-footage of just any random famous person who's about to go suborbital—it's not interesting. We need someone with space legacy, who 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 sat at the fulcrum of people's hopes and dreams of space, and that was you. So I'm delighted that that such a, a documentary could be made with that footage, and and we see we see this side of you. I mean, I'm I was delighted by that. I was worried because you guys had to walk up to the capsule. Up all those damn steps? Wait, you don't know, have it. a cherry you just picker just or something to on. carry you up? I, I mean, Good, dude, you're 90 years old.
3: I'm telling you, they asked me to come a day early. It's hysterical that you should uh, come upon that point. So, what do I? will uh, go there, and then uh, maybe Mr. Bezos will be there, and I have a chance to talk to him. And uh, and, and he wasn't, and 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 so where there's and here's where this and there's the gantry. Let's go to the gantry <laughs> and see what the gantry. Okay, let's go and see what the gantry. Let's walk up the gantry. Up <laughs> Eleven flights. 11 flight at 4,000 altitude. And I'm going up and I'm going, you know, oh, look how pretty. I stop at, a, at, a, at some landing. Well, it's certainly pretty. And then another three flights. And I finally get to the top. But I made it, and I now, looking back, i got to assume somebody said, Jesus, we, can, do you think he will make it up the gantry? He's 90 years old. <laughs> Let's check him out. I, I now know it. that was a checkout. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if I had failed. What would they do? No. Oh, sorry, Shatner. Yeah, You've only yeah, yeah we, we lost four. Shatner on the, on the, on the fourth uh, step. On the
2: of- four. step. <laughs>
3: Oh, Lord, I'm telling you, that was I, I, when I look back on that, I I have to laugh. What if I hadn't made it? And they could so, everybody was behind me. I was walking up, and there'd be like seven people behind me, you know, scampering up there, 20 years old. Hey, let's go. And I go, yeah, we'll go. I used to be able to scramble up, Neil. You may not believe it. I used to be able to run up 11 flights. Neil, <laughs> yeah, how old are you? I, I, I'm, I am right now 63. Six do you down, feel a, any of your strength leaving you? Like, can you open a bottle top as easily as you did before?
2: Uh, no, but I take kindly the counsel of the years, Which gracefully is. surrendering the things of youth. So do because
3: you hand from, the bottle open this <laughs> my wife, son. Daughter, <laughs> no, my would daddy. you mind opening the bottle for me? I, <laughs> no, I have got tools. I, I was saying, would you mind getting this the lease up this bag up up the upper when they're flying? I need some help, and the bag is heavy.
2: No, I, I, no, no you know, I've got my, tools. I got tools now. I got tools. I'm, 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 I'm good with that. Uh, but the, I was saying, so there's some shots of you inside the capsule before, and during, and after, and there's one of them when you're weightless. I don't mind. I'm going to tell you. You look like you were about to barf, just the, your facial expression.
3: So you, you don't have to divulge thinking, that here. I was
1: thinking
2: about it.
3: I it, I was <laughs> thinking. I wonder if I, you know, and you know that vomit comet they 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 fly. Yeah, you know the outside loop that they, they get yeah, yeah, everybody yeah, yeah. ready to go. Yeah. I heard that, that barf. Yeah, so and if now, you barf,
2: there's nothing worse than zero g vomit. Okay, because right. so it, does, it doesn't just like, fall. You know, now
3: all your attention is trying to avoid it. <laughs> 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 oh, here comes one straight action. No, no, but be careful. And all your attention is dodging the barf. So, <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, so... Um,
2: for me, if, whatever I would miss most, I think, if I never get to
3: experience this, is the feeling of weightlessness. So can you describe that? No, I can't because, um, because uh, there aren't words uh, in the English language. Weightlessness is a new thing. There aren't words to describe weightless. Oh, you're weightless and lift your arm. Well, you can't. You can't. Uh, yeah, we, we, the whole rehearsal part, the, the practice part, was getting in and out of that seat in weightlessness. But, of course, you're not weightless, so you have no idea of how to get into that seat and tie yourself in because you're going to hit seven Gs. So weightlessness, like suddenly I'm floating, but I don't want to float. I want to get to that window and see, and see whatever it is I'm going to see. And, and there's footage of Jeff Bezos in the first flight He's weightless, and his ass is towards the camera, and this kid, (laughs) and this kid is throwing skittles at his ass. That's the first moment of weightlessness, and I thought, I'm not going to spend weightlessness having skittles thrown at me. I got to get to that window. So that's that's what I. It just depends how big your ass is, right? (laughs) <laughs> so I it's indescribable you're weightless, but it's not like being in water which they practice the astronauts practice it's like nothing it's indescribable. It's like floating if you imagine yourself floating, but your body's not accustomed to not feeling gravity. so it's like what and you're startled you're like what is the sensation? And and everybody's had things planned, like we'll we'll lift our uh, hand up, and the and in the first flight they had hello mother or something. Around. I had nothing. I didn't. I wanted to. Oh my lord! And and it was awkward, like you didn't know what to do. Now if you spent time just in weightlessness, like they have that updraft of um, of air. Oh yeah, I
2: know what you're talking <laughs> about. Yeah, yeah, but, the um, the uh, the skydiving.
3: Uh, uh, yeah. Right. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. You, you, mm-hmm. they, you can practice in a, in a chamber that's approaching it, I guess, but here it's, it's, it, it's like, it's like being ill with an illness you not, don't know. I don't know whether it's feverish or, or, you know, something that you, what, how am I feeling? What am I, what, what am I? It's the complete unknown. Of weightlessness that occupies you to begin with, it's like startling, it's like holy cats. What is that? Combined with, in my case,
0: I want to get to that window.
3: I don't want to waste any time being weightless. I want to see the Earth or, the or throwing skittles. You're not going to throw a sk- You're not. <laughs> you're not going
2: to burn weightless time throwing skittles at anyone's yeah, hands.
3: exactly. <laughs> uh, you, have two, you have two minutes of weightlessness. Two minutes mm-hmm. in that in that orbit and that mm-hmm. moment momentum i wanted to make use of it by looking by absorbing having a sensation seeing something that very few people have seen we've got to take another break uh, when we return more of my
2: conversation with william Shat.
4: justin and so good thousands of summer deals at your nordstrom rack store
0: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
1: of a detour.
2: We're back with StarTalk's conversation with William Shatner. Bill, are you a different person for having done this?
3: Neil... Uh, uh i'm sure that when we talked last a few years ago i must have expressed myself in 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 terms of ecology cuz i've been an amateur ecologist for the longest time Nate, rachel carson wrote a book called the silent spring and i read that 50 years ago and i thought my goodness if that's what's going to be and then i have a great friend um Michael Tobias. Do you know that name that he called? It? I do know the name. Yes, I do. I don't he wrote know that we've many met books but, yeah. and documentaries. Well, he's a dear friend of mine and we we did a series called uh, Voice of the Planet many many years ago. We went all over the place, even up in, into the Himalayas, uh looking at places that were being degraded as a result of and this was years ago. This is more than 20 years ago. I saw for my own eyes what 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 we're doing including ocean stuff. I I, uh,
2: so you were early I,
3: in this you were early yes. out of the box I was this preaching way. this years and years to the scoffing of reporters oh look at this actor thinking he's a, a scholar of you know he knows something we don't know and there were early interviews I thought why would they scoffing oh he's an actor and he's talking about the world coming to an end so I I was tuned in A long time ago, but as it's become increasingly obvious, and now everybody knows, and now everybody should be panicked, like looking over their shoulder. When is it going to? When is this uh, apocalypse going to hit? I, I, I'm a different person because what was theoretical, you know. There are apart, there are buildings, uh, apartment buildings in Miami that I. Uh, but probably every uh, a, a lot of other places where they paid millions and millions of dollars to have a sea a view of the sea right like right like on the sea and and their windows open up and they every morning they get up and they think well look at the sea that's why they spent 20 million dollars for their for their for their condo villa and, yeah and they're erecting 20 foot walls now to for the anticipation of the of higher seas there are cement walls going up, blocking their view. Now, how, how dramatic is that? Guy pays all this money for a view of the sea. what? Well, that's global warming, folks. Yeah, yeah. So that's happening now. And, and what I saw was the vulnerability of this little tiny speck, the stone, this little rock, Neil, I saw I saw this, about well, the curvature, about like that. But that's finite because you can go continue the circumference and you come to an end. I've just described the circumference of the Earth. And you look out there, the, you know, I don't have to tell you, whole galaxies can come through each other and not touch billions of stars not hitting each other because the space is so vast between them that... Uh, what is it coming our way um, uh, in two billion years? Uh, what's the name of the. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, you mean um, the Andromeda Galaxy? Uh, Andromeda Galaxy is coming its way. And, and, and uh, it's apparently possible for the whole Andromeda Galaxy to come through the Milky Way and not hit anything because the space is so vast. Correct. That's how vast space is. And this moat of dust, this little. I love the image. Of this speck of sand, this kernel of this the grain of sand in the Sahara desert that's the volume of this earth compared to uh, space and we are these little tiny we're, we're, you can't describe us as ants because we're, we're smaller than ants compared <laughs> to, to the earth we're specks, <laughs> we're tiny <laughs> we're freckles on, on, on earth you know that's how Okay, Bill, I don't need you to blow a gasket remembering, thinking this. <laughs> yeah, but the gasket is this. The Where I retrieve it is this way. And I know you know this. The miracle is us being able to observe, to be a party to, an observer of this miracle of us being conscious enough to be conscious of our. Uh, place in space and that to me is what changed i understood this theoretically but i saw it and i am filled with that thought that the miracle of human beings looking and saying yes this is a speck of dust yes we are a speck of dust on a speck of dust but we're observing it we're 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 a party To an observer of the grandeur of it all, the miracle of it all, and the miracle is inside us. And what is that? I don't know what that is. I guess consciousness. We're still trying to figure it out. But that was what I saw.
2: Many a philosopher have waxed poetic on the fact that it's amazing that the universe is knowable at all. Just
3: start with that fact. You you know this o Moa, Moa! Oh, Moa, 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 Moa! and Avi, I've forgotten his last name. The, the uh, wonderful a- Avi Loeb. Avi Loeb. He's, he's a colleague of mine up at up at Harvard. Uh-huh. Avi Loeb has written this book on uh, using Moa Moa as the chrysalis for the thoughts of other civilizations existing. Whether Moa Moa is a is uh, a relic of some civilization, or I mean, there's a great deal of argument about it. But he uses it and and describes scientific reason to think that it, it was from uh, another civilization somewhere. But just to catch is, everybody oh, up, Oumuamua is a is an is an asteroid-like
2: object interloper between the stars that happened to pass
3: through the solar system in recent years and, and a, went and around the moon and made uh what's the alleles in terms of its uh trajectory it it, yeah, it had, it, its had it, it, it trajectory
2: was not entirely Newtonian as we say and right. so the, the 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 hunt was to find out why and avi Loeb was um was more embracing of the possibility that it could have been an alien craft sent under its own power the, well not a it would craft not move. Too much
3: he he became to the conclusion it must have been like a sail, like a, a solar sail. So we saw this part of it and thought it was like a log, whereas in fact it was a dish. That's that's uh, his theory. But but you but, make the good point that if we
2: use that as the as a launch point to even have that conversation, exactly, uh, that surely has. That's gone. what he
3: does in his book. He uses it as a launching point to have the discussion about how dare mm-hmm. we think because life is so imperative. When you think that slime seeks the sunlight and, and and mindless, what we think of as mindless things, trying to live the imperative of life. I talked to Bob Ballard, who talked about seeing those chimneys, the calcified chimneys on 600 degrees Fahrenheit boiling water in 30,000 feet depth and Worms living and clams living life can exist in the ex- extremophiles and and so there's life uh, in other places as we as we surmise and and the whole magic of it came alive for me in that trip in that moment wow well so what do you what do you
2: what do you want the future to hold? I can tell you this, we surely agree that Star trek, I think, planted some um, seeds of what we want the future to be, uh, it, and some tap roots have already taken hold. Right. But if we go ten years, twenty years, should we send every politician? Uh, forget the actors. Let's send the politicians into space, and then no, lock them in, a room in the UN that. afterwards.
3: There is a hole there. The animal, the insect, and 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 the uh, fungus lying beneath. We're just discovering this whole other world of fungus. Yes. It's an entire branch. It's an entire of life.
2: sector of the tree of life. Correct. Exactly. And you and, and I are I mean, old enough for it to have not been there when we first learned of the tree of life. We, it, it we has, it, people it don't know this. Up. Yes.
3: People don't know this. I like I love mushrooms. Eh? And mushrooms are the fruit thereof. And and But people don't know that. There's a whole there's so much going on on earth and it's going to end unless we do something now about it not tomorrow not wait for funds 10 years from now we're on the cusp of uh, apocalypse you know that right yes you agree with that yes not
2: not the apocalypse of our extinction because I think we will survive, some humans will survive, no matter what. We're on the brink of the loss of civilization. Because all the greatest cities in the world are on the water's edge. And how high can you build that 20-foot wall, right? Uh, before the ocean is just completely overrun most of what we've taken 10,000 years to build. Exactly. Right back when your first horses showed
3: but up. But, but then you go inland, and you have the extreme weather, and you have the fires, and you have... I mean, the, the, the world as you and I know it, our children, but especially our children's children, are not going to know what we know. And see, looking in your eyes right now and seeing the pain, like, I don't want to discuss this, you're saying, this is not what I intended with Shatner. It is a truth that we have to impress upon the person you meet on the street.
2: Bill, give me a sense of hope. You spent three years on a TV show where every single show
3: had glimmers of hope deeply so embedded I interviewed, within it. I interviewed Jeff Bezos. Okay? I don't know how much they showed on this, uh, on this uh, documentary, but I had intense conversations with Mr. Bezos whose view is this. Let's get the polluting industries up into the air in orbit, pollute up there because it doesn't, it'll dissipate and get rid of the pollution here as quickly as possible. That's his, that's his drive. I said to him, but Jeff, that'll take a hundred years. We don't have a hundred years. And he said, apropos of what you just said, we have to have hope. If without hope, what else is there? So the hope is that all these warring politicians, both in our country, and I'm Canadian, uh, and in the world, realize what you and I are talking about, the imperative of what you and I are talking about, and the, the necessity of immediate action. Do we do that by sending them all into space? Well, in 100 years, if we're uh, still here and moving along, there will be a number of industries, people living in space, coming down to park-like Earth for restoration. So why do you smile? Why do you, why do you smile? You're one of the wisest and most communicable of the of the of the astral people. Why do you smile? <laughs> well, uh, uh, so
1: give
2: me okay, so uh, by the way, I think 100 years is a very long time in the future when you consider 100 years ago, we were I only know. just swapping out cars with horses in the cities. So a lot can happen in 100 years. So let's hope it happens sooner than that. But you're you're suggesting or implying that access to space will become so prevalent that we can just send
3: send um, politicians the there they people come people to make, and make a living make a living up there and come down here and find the the earth with its natural beauty. Yes, mm. that's the dream. Okay, all
2: right. So, because if we get a dream from anyone, it's got you know it's. It's got to it's got to have Star Trek DNA in it
3: because those are the only ones that really. <laughs> well, look 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 at the look at the space the 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 space vehicle. Uh, people have been living there for years now, uh, coming out every six months, coming back down, and uh, you're the, talking the, about the
2: International Space Station. Mm-hmm.
3: Yes, so that's been there yeah. for many years. Now amplify that, amplify that, so that there's. Industry going on, they're burning coal or oil if they have to, making electricity, wiring it down here, and and because I don't want to use the word beaming it down here, and, and we, <laughs> we, we you'd be totally forgiven for using the we've, word em- beaming, uh, forgive okay? <laughs> we've eliminated a large source of pollution. Yes,
2: yes. Unless everyone recycles everything, then there is no more pollution. Is a is a what grandma used to have? What's that word? Pollution. Pollution? Yeah.
3: What is, there what were is that? The vast what? areas of the ocean with plastic in it. What grandma? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, Bill,
2: we got to land this plane. Let me just um, remind people that it was the the new Shepard that was the capsule you went up with. And in the interest of disclosure, Jeff Bezos owns Amazon and owns Prime, where your documentary is
3: being shown. So yeah. he's a remarkable he's, man. He's a yeah. remarkable man. Remarkable with a dream, and you want to use his fortune. I, I I I I learned to really care about him. What what I what I learned from the documentary because we learned a
2: little bit about Jeff Bezos as well is that he has very long. Uh, history dreaming about going into space. So right. this is not just some I mean, latter four. day thought oh, when you have some no.
3: cash falling out it's of a your pocket. A driving force. Driving force. Um, right. also right. wanted to mention that I do a talk show uh, called uh, I Don't Understand. Uh, oh, I was a guest
2: on your talk show. Thank you. For, yes. And, and yes. you were a
3: wonderful guest. And it's all about things I don't understand, which is everything. <laughs> I hate to admit it. I don't understand anything. <laughs> it was a brilliant yeah. title. I enjoyed yeah. my, my time there. Yes,
2: definitely. It was Thanks wonderful.
3: For- and then there's this wonderful show called The Unexplained on um, on the History Channel, which is a really great fun. and It's very popular. Well, people love stuff that's not explained. What happens is sometimes they jump
2: too quickly to conclusions. I can't explain that. It must have been aliens who built it, you know? So I, I'm not that quick to, <laughs> I love the mystery, right. but right. but I'm not so quick to sort of invoke uh, an explanation. But William Shatner, thank you for l- lending us your time on Star Talk. This is not your first time you've been on this show, um, yep. And let's. Uh, when you're 100, we'll bring you back, and we'll get okay. your 100-year perspective on this That's world. right.
3: Because you don't look like you're going out anytime soon. <laughs> no, I hope not. Uh, the, I, but I also want to say how much I admire you and not only your intelligence, but your ability to communicate. It's very important. I
2: Thank you.
3: Thank you. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Bill, that's all the time we have. We've got to land this plane, land this starship. Uh, thank you once again for being a guest on Star Talk. This not your first rodeo with us. Live long and prosper, or rather, live longer and be even more prosperous. How's that? <laughs> you already satisfied the first two conditions. So we're out of here. Neil deGrasse Tyson for Star Talk. As always, keep looking up.